Well, it's good to be with you again after being away from you for a week. I know that many of you were here last week and uh, that first Sunday, January 1st, when Mike Bobel was with us, but this is my first opportunity to open God's Word with you this year. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to give you um, a sermon for this new year today. Um, perhaps, like me, you have been thinking about new things these past couple of weeks. I know I have. I've been thinking about old things, about things of the past year, about things that have passed away. I've been thinking also about new things, things that are coming, new opportunities, new hopes, new goals, new desires and the like. God's been reminding me in these past weeks that He is the God who brings new realities into existence. He brings new things into existence. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that your God is the God who ushers in new realities? That's how he speaks of himself. He does that in Scripture in places like Revelation 21.5 when he says, Behold, I am making all things new. Your God is the God who makes all things new. He's the God who leads us into newness of life. He, he causes his redeemed people to walk in that. To walk in newness of life. Have you been walking in that lately? Have you been walking in the newness of life that's available to you through Christ Jesus our Lord? Early in our service, we considered that verse from 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Have you been enjoying living as that new creation in Christ? At this time of the year, as we turn the page of the calendar from one year to the next, I think it's helpful for us as Christians to ask a question. And to ask a question that almost even feels prideful, even just to ask. But it's, import, it's an important question for us to ask. And that's this. Have I been growing in Christ? likeness how might you respond to that question about yourself are you growing in Christ likeness do you look more like Christ now than you did this time last year do you know that that's the Lord's intention for us that's the Lord's desire for us. That's, that's what the Lord expects and offers to us even. The Lord intends that as, as time goes by, as we walk with the Lord year after year, 
month after month, week after week, day after day, the Lord intends for you and I to look more and more like Jesus. We see that in places in Scripture like like 2 Corinthians 3.18. Look at that if you would in your handout that you have there. There Paul says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In this verse, Paul tells us that that those who have been redeemed by the Lord are being transformed into His likeness with an ever-increasing glory. It's amazing. And so here's that question. Is that true of you and I? Are we being transformed into the very image of Christ with an ever-increasing glory? Again, that's the Lord's desire for us and for every Christian. Paul says a similar thing in Romans 8.29 when he says, Those whom God foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. Brother and sister in Christ, you have been predestined by God to be conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ Himself. It seems almost blasphemous to say, but it's true. This is what God's holy word says is true. You and I have been called. You and I have been redeemed so that we would be conformed into the very image of Jesus Christ to the praise of His glory. But how does that happen? Well, let's spend some time considering that. And to to help us do that, let's consider another one of the verses that you have printed out there in your bulletin insert, Romans 12, 2. There the Apostle Paul calls upon those who have placed their hope for salvation and for all things really in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He calls them, he calls us all with this. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray again. Lord, we come to you this morning and we seek to put ourselves under your instruction. Lord, clear away anything that might be competing for our attention this morning. Lord, and shape us. Shape us by your word and by your spirit, we pray. Lord, conform us into your image. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Change. Change or die. Those are really the only two options. Change or die. Those are are the only two options available to the caterpillar. 
A caterpillar is faced with those two options, change or die. If it doesn't change, it'll be dead in a matter of days, most likely ending up as a tasty morsel for a bird. And if it does change, what will be its reward? Well, it'll be transformed into one of the most delicate and beautiful creatures on the earth. That caterpillar will be transformed into a butterfly. And it will find a freedom that it never could have imagined before. Transformation. That's what we're talking about today. We're learning about the work that God promises that he's doing in the lives of those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. This is so important for us to understand. Our salvation, our not going to hell, isn't all that there is out of the Christian life. And I know that you know that. But do you know a great many of your friends, a great many of your co-workers don't know that there's more to Christianity than that? And so I want to encourage you and then be able to encourage them to desire more of your life and for them to desire of their life. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The Christian life begins when God calls us by His grace and He brings us into a new relationship with Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. But that's only the beginning of His activity in our lives. And these passages that that we're looking at today were exhorted by the Lord to continue in our journey of faith. To not to be complacent with him in our relationship, but to dedicate ourselves, to apply ourselves wholeheartedly to our continued growth in the Lord. If you look at Romans 12 too, you'll notice that it contains two commands. One negative command, if you will, and the other a positive command. We see first that negative command when Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. And that's followed by the positive command or what I'm referring to in that way. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And in reality, my my analogy to a caterpillar's options of change or die kind of falls apart a bit right there because in this verse Paul communicates to us that the issue really isn't whether or not we will change but what it is that will be changed to what it is that will be conformed to because in this verse Paul presents two options to us Conform to this world or be transformed into something far more grand. In short, he's telling us, seek this, not that. He tells us to reject conformity with the world and to seek transformation into something radically different. 
something every bit as radically different from the normal pattern of the world as a butterfly is radically different than the caterpillar. Paul begins this verse with that negative command, do not be conformed to this world. Now what does that mean? What does it look like to be conformed to this world? Well, to be conformed to this world means that we would live a life too similar to how unbelievers live. Paul's telling us here that God's redeemed people are to live differently. And really throughout all of redemptive history, this has been the calling that the Lord has given his people. He calls upon us to live lives that are dramatically different than those who don't know Him, those who don't walk with Him, those who aren't seeking to glorify Him through our lives. And here's something that we have to understand. The world is relentless in its attempt to influence us. And the world isn't simply trying to influence us. But the world does influence us. And we must intentionally resist the world and its corrupting temptations. The world tells us that that it's okay for, for our approach to marriage to be easy come, easy go. The world tells us that sexual relations outside of marriage is really no big deal. The world tells us that living together before marriage is perfectly acceptable. The world tells us that you can choose your own gender. The world tells us that there's no such thing as absolute truth, that that every person has the capacity to make their own decisions and to, to determine for themselves what it means to be a good person. And even that a person can determine for themselves. Um, They can make them a God over God even. The world tells us that God doesn't take sin seriously, that this is all just a myth. But what does God's word tell us about these things? Well, God's word tells us that, that marriage is to be held in honor by all. God's word tells us that we're to flee sexual immorality. God's word tells us that our hearts can deceive us and lead us astray. God's word tells us that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And God's word tells us here that we're to reject conformity to the world. God has given us his spirit and he gives us his word and he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be conformed to me. And so here's a question for you. What has the world been tempting you to embrace? In what ways is the world influencing you to be conformed to it? Is there any area in your life where you can see the world tempting you to accept the world's way rather than Christ's way? Is there some area in your life that might be competing, might be seeking to push Christ 
out a bit. Where might it be hard for you to say no to something that the world offers? It's important for us to be aware of those temptations because if we're not aware of where we're tempted, we won't likely be successful in rejecting those temptations. One of the great tragedies of Christianity today is that we allow too much conformity with the world. And instead of confessing that and repenting that, instead we too often give ourselves over to it. And we try to convince ourselves that it's really no big deal. But Paul says, no. Do not be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And what is it that we're to be transformed into? Well, Paul doesn't make mention of it here in Romans 12, but we've seen that already in some of these other verses that we've considered. We're to be transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's quite the metamorphosis, isn't it? To change from what we are now, to change from what we once were, and to be transformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. But again, that's God's intention for all those whom he redeems. How does this occur Well, it occurs through a supernatural act of God. We're transformed as we're shaped by God's word. We're transformed as we're shaped by God's spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.16 tells us that we're being renewed day by day. Daily, the Holy Spirit renews us. Look at Titus 3.5. There Paul tells us that we're saved according to God's own mercy by the washing and regeneration the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And that's an ongoing action of the Holy Spirit, washing and renewing us each and every day, transforming us from what we once were and making us into that new creation in Christ giving thanks to God our Father who makes all things new. God works alone in our salvation, but he calls upon us to participate in our sanctification. We're called to put our sin to death. In our salvation, we've been delivered from the penalty of our sins through the work of Christ and from the rule of sin in our lives. In Romans 6.2, Paul says that we have died to sin. And he speaks there of the natural flow of our dying to sin, that we're no longer to live in our sins. And he asks the question, how can we who died to sin continue to live in it? There, and in Colossians 2, Paul tells us that we have died with Christ. Look at your handout again at that passage from Colossians 3. Specifically, look at at verse 9 of Colossians 3. 
There Paul speaks of how we've been redeemed by the Lord, have put off the old self and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That's speaking of of the transformation that the Lord's doing in our lives. But notice that we're not to be completely passive in our growth in Christ-likeness. This doesn't automatically happen. But we are called in Scripture to apply ourselves along with the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to this end. Look at what Paul calls us to do in Colossians 3.5. While it's true that we have already put our old self to death, or the Lord has done that for us, look at what Paul calls us to continue to do in Colossians 3.5. Put to death that which is earthly in you. And then look at verse 7 and 8. You once walked in these evil deeds. Verse 8 but now you must put them all away. And what do we put on in their place? Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiving one another, and so on. And what do those things sound like? What are those things? Well, they're the fruit of the Spirit. We put off our old selves. And we put on the new. We live no longer walking in the deeds of the flesh, but we live now in the power of the Spirit who produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as the Spirit does that, as we live by the Spirit, as we walk by the Spirit, as we keep in step with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. And as we walk in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and so on, well, what does that look like? Well, that looks like Jesus. As we live in the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, The Lord, the Holy Spirit, produces in us the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit transforms us more and more into the image of Jesus. So friends, as we start this new year, let's not pass up this incredible invitation that the Lord extends to us. To not only escape the wrath of God, but to enter into a remarkable new reality of one who's being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ himself. Looking for him to do that which he's promised. Giving thanks that he who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.23 And knowing that as we're told in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you We'll see it through to completion. And in conclusion, we remember that this will only happen as we abide in Christ. For apart from Him, we can expect no spiritual fruit, no spiritual growth. This is what we talked about in Sunday school too. And there I encourage the folks, dedicate 
Look at that. I believe, did I print it out? John 15. Look at John 15 today. Look at John 15 every day. Spend the rest of your life. There you will see Jesus commands us. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. The Father is the vine dresser. And he says, abide in me. And make note that those words, abide in me, that's a command that Jesus gives to you and I. Now, we in our faith tradition, we make much of God and we recognize our inability to do anything outside of God. But friends, this is important. While it is true that it is God who transforms and it is God who has united us by the Holy Spirit into union with Jesus and he has promised that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. Even even though those things are true, Jesus still gives this command, abide in me, abide in me, continue to abide in me. My encouragement to you, spend the rest of your life studying what does it mean to abide in Christ? What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? I mentioned this also in Sunday school. Jesus called the disciples and said, come, follow me. And he's done the same thing to each of us in a saving way. When at one point in the life, he called us from death to life. And he invites us, he commands us to follow him. But walking with Jesus, following Jesus... Abiding with Jesus is something that we must also commit ourselves to each and every day of our lives. And if we don't, we will be toast. I suspect each of you know people who have abandoned the Lord. What happened? How how? is someone who seems like they once walked with the Lord and now they have rejected him completely, either with those words or simply by their actions and the way in which they've given themselves over to a sinful life. How is it that they did that? They stopped applying themselves to abiding in Christ. They stopped applying themselves wholeheartedly to seeking to live for the glory of God. They stopped recognizing their utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit to produce in us what we cannot produce in ourselves. So, friends, apply yourselves wholeheartedly to walking with Jesus faithfully for a lifetime. It doesn't happen automatically. Fear, but yet also rest. Fear that at any moment you might abandon the Lord. But yet also rest in the finished work of Jesus. We do not strive to achieve, but we rest We remain.
we abide. We apply ourselves also to continuing to follow Jesus. Continuing to embrace Jesus. And as we do that for a lifetime, as we do that year after year, we will look more like the one who is faithful. And he grows in us the spiritual fruit of faithfulness. My final encouragement, this is a great thing to have conversation with with your family in terms of asking family or friends, those who know you well, have you seen any growth in my life lately? Are there ways that you can see that I look more like Jesus to you now than I did a year or two ago? Maybe that's growth in the spiritual fruit of patience or a willingness to ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's gentleness. Maybe it's the ability to endure hardship. But encourage one another. Let others know, you know what? I see that you have grown in this area in your life. Um, And we encourage one another in that way. I just want to encourage you to ask the Lord to show you where have you grown? Where is there still yet opportunity for us to grow? Um, Jesus is, is quite, quite the uh, goal for us to seek, to grow towards. Um, but it is God's will that we would look more and more like Jesus. So ask the Spirit to reveal how he's been doing that in your life, and then point out those areas where there's still yet much opportunity for growth and encourage others in that same way. Pray with me again, please. Lord, it's our prayer that we would look less and less like our old selves and that we would look more and more like you, that we would live more and more in ways that are consistent with your good and perfect will. Lord, it's our prayer that we would know you better and that we would look more fully like you, that we would delight in you more and more each and every day. Lord God, have your way with us. Transform us. Amen.